Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. When I was a child, my mom took me to the doctors because she suspected that I had a hearing problem. And all the mothers in the house said, amen. She would ask me to do things, and I would not respond. I would not reply. So she finally thought, he must have a medical condition. But after examination, the doctor said this to her. He can hear all right, but he only hears what he wants to hear. Anybody else got that gift? All right, moving right along. You see... I could hear, but I didn't want to listen. I could hear, but I didn't want to offer the appropriate response to what was being said. So I had what they call selective hearing. So I could hear things like, the cookies are out of the oven. Uh, I could hear dinner's ready. I could hear, your friends are here to play with you. But I couldn't seem to hear things like, clean up your room, um, pick up your toys, or it's time for bed. I didn't have a physical problem, but I sure had an attitude problem. I could hear, but I didn't want to listen. I was so focused on what I was doing that I didn't want to give any attention to what she wanted me to do. And sadly, I think that can happen in the lives of believers as well with their relationship with God. And so this passage in James talks to us about the subject of listening, how to listen or how we should listen. James chapter one, starting in verse 19, says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. The scriptures start by talking about our posture when it comes to listening and specifically listening to the word of God. And it says this, you should be quick to listen. You should be quick to listen, but think about it. How do you actually increase your speed at listening? I mean, it's kind of a strange phrase, really, because you can't. This is just a bit of a play on words, though, where it says in this verse, you're to be quick to listen and you're to be slow to speak because we are so easily the opposite of that. We are quick to speak and we are slow to listen. At least I know I can be that way. But we're called to be quick to listen and then not slow, slow to speak, but quick to listen and not slow at listening. How can we be slow at listening? Well, we're slow to listen sometimes because we're not listening for ourselves, we're listening for others. 
We're listening for others. When, when we listen and we think about who we feel needs to hear what is being said, we're actually slow to listen because we're not hearing it for ourselves. If we're sitting in God's house and we're hearing the word of God and we're thinking, oh yeah, man, that, my friend over there, oh man, my spouse, pastor, preach it. I brought him to church today. He needs to hear this today. Man, he needs to hear it. Well, the problem with that is you're slow to listen for yourself. Oh, I wish my boss had come to church. He needs to hear this today. I'm gonna make sure my teenager downloads this message and listens to it. Good luck with that, by the way. <laughs> listen, you can't listen for others. You can only listen for yourself because you can't change others. You can only change yourself. We're slow at listening because our mind is wandering. It's just so full of everything else going on around our lives. Have you ever actually had a conversation with someone who said they weren't busy? I don't know about you, but it seems like everybody and anybody I talk to, hey, what's going on in your world? Oh, man, I'm so busy. Literally, this week, I talked to someone who's retired. Retired. How are you doing? Oh, I'm so busy. Like, oh, my gosh, it's like an epidemic. But for, you know, many people, it makes sense. I mean, they've got their business, they've got family, they've got activities, and the reality is their life is busy. But you know what? The problem is that we often bring that busyness that's in our head into the presence of God where we're supposed to be listening. And so we can, we can come to church and we can hear the word of God being taught, but our head can be somewhere else. We can, we can be sitting at home when we're supposed to be, you know, taking some time, quiet time, pray and read our Bible for ourselves, but our head is at a different, different place. And, and so we don't have space really in our thinking to even hear the Lord because all we're hearing is the busyness in our mind. We're, we're thinking about what I had to do uh, last week, what I'm gonna have to do next week, what's gonna happen maybe after the service or what's gonna happen throughout my day. I'm supposed to be here in the morning praying and hearing from God and all I can think about is what I've got to cover today, my problems, my unresolved conflicts, my issues of life, all of these things. And so we have to get intentional with our listening to check out on busyness and check into the Holy Spirit and be able to hear what God's saying. That's why in a service like this, it's so important to be engaged in worship because worship is your opportunity to say, I don't need to carry this any longer. I don't need to have my head in this space of all the busyness. I can check out on that. I can check into the presence of God and posture myself to say, Holy Spirit, I wanna hear what you wanna say to me today. I'm not gonna let the busyness of my life Keep me from the word that you want to speak to my heart in this moment. We're slow to listen because we're resistant to change. One of the reasons believers fail to mature and grow in their faith and their experience with God is they're just constantly opting out of obedience. They never take the challenge to follow Christ with obedience, but instead posture themselves with excuses. Jesus even gave a parable about this when he talked about a banquet that was being offered and an invitation to come to a banquet, like an invitation to come to a dinner, and he gets three different responses. One says, oh, I've bought land, and I've got to go and see it. Who buys land without seeing it first? 
One says, oh, I bought some oxen. I need to go try them out. Guess what? They'll be there tomorrow. Another one said, well, I just got married. Bring your spouse. Come on. Never use your marriage as an excuse for disobedience towards God. Our excuses sound so lame in the face of God's invitation for what he has for our lives. And this passage goes on to tell us that in order to hear what God is saying into your life, you have to deal with what can be wrong on the inside of you. That our listening problem isn't about what's being said, but it's about the condition of our own heart. And if you let God change your heart, your mind will become receptive to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Your resistance isn't because of what God is saying in that it might be unreasonable, but because of where we're at in our own heart. That's what makes it hard to hear the word of God. If we're going to be quick to hear, we have to posture ourselves with a wanting to listen, a wanting to listen. Then the scripture goes on to say this, be slow to anger, be slow to anger. I don't know about you, but again, I feel like the word of God is just sort of playing on our natural tendencies where he knows we're all not slow to anger. I mean, I, I've not, I don't know about you, I'm not slow to anger. I don't get in a discussion with my wife, think about it for three days, and then justify, you know, I think I, think I can be angry now. I've really thought this through, figured this out. I think I can be angry about this one. No, what happens? It always happens fast and in the moment, doesn't it? Okay, sit and lie to me in church if you want to, but this is the way it is. We are quick to anger when we get upset. Our emotions all of a sudden catch us, and, and it's a spin on it saying, hey, listen, you should, be, you should be slow to anger, but we can be quick to be upset. Not necessarily acting out in rage, but still upset at what we heard. And, and you can actually hear the word of God and be upset by what you heard. I remember as a young believer, the first time I heard about fasting, it did not excite me. <laughs> it did the opposite. And I demanded to see scripture to justify this not eating thing that you wanted me to do. But eventually I caught the revelation of what it was all about and it was all good. I remember also as a younger believer, having somebody tell me, do you know that God wants to change you I thought, I thought he just wanted to forgive me. He said, no, 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 he doesn't want to just forgive you. He wants to make you more like Jesus. And that one upset me too. So I thought, you mean he wants me to change? Yeah. Yikes. I guess it was probably because I realized I'm a long way off from Jesus. And he had a lot of work to do. He still does. Moving on. But have you ever gotten upset at the word of the Lord? You ever gotten upset at the word of the Lord? Sure you have. It may not have manifested in rage, but it can manifest in a passive-aggressive refusal to participate. There's a guy in the Bible by the name of Naaman, and uh, Naaman was just a highly valued um, servant of a king, and he has leprosy, and the king wants to see him healed, so he hears about this prophet and decides, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send him to the prophet and take care of this. 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 9 says, so Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elijah's house. Elijah sent a messenger to say to him, 
Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry. And he said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of leprosy. Are not uh, Abna and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Now, as the story goes on, uh, his servant talks to him and talks him down out of being angry and says, look, you know, if he'd asked you to do something really complicated, you'd have done it. He's asking you to do something simple. Why not just follow through? And he does, and he does get healed. But what's the problem in this moment? Naaman had expectations regarding what God would say to him and how he would be treated, and those expectations were not fulfilled. Naaman had his preconceived ideas and then God told him to do something that didn't even make sense to him and it upset him. Wash in the Jordan? Are you kidding me? He's thinking, this is the muddiest river in the area. I'm unclean with leprosy and you want me to go wash in, in this muddy river. Why not pick a clean, clear one? And then you want me to go in seven times. Why not just go in once? I'll be wet after once. That should do it. What really bothered him was this. Why do I have to go in at all? Why not have the prophet come out and wave his hand over me? That's what the scripture says. After all, he just pulled up to the guy's front door. You know, why not have that prophet come out, wave his hand over me, and then I would be healed? Not only did the prophet not come out to him, though he was at his front door, he sent his servant with the message. Shouldn't God tell somebody else to fix my problems? Yet here he is telling me what I need to do to fix my problem. Have you ever gotten angry because you thought the word of the Lord should go to someone else around you to help you and it didn't happen? Somebody should reach out to me. Somebody should offer to help me. Somebody should support me. Somebody should invite me. Somebody should offer me a job. Somebody should come and encourage me. Somebody should recognize me. God, why aren't you talking to somebody and telling them what to do for me? After all, I'm the one that has a need here. Yet the word of the Lord comes to you and God asks you, to step up. He asks you to reach out. He asks you to do the work. He asks you to reach out for prayer. He asks you to initiate change. Don't be angry with God because of what you think he should tell somebody else to do for you. And stop believing that others need to listen up when it's us who need to listen up. And stop thinking about what others should do for you when you need to follow the wisdom of God's word and ask him what you need to do for yourself. You know, there's two common areas where I watch this happen in church over, over decades of, of pastoring, and here's what they are. Friendship and mentoring. Friendship and mentoring. I've heard people talk about friendship and and, you know, the thing about it is friendships don't, like, just happen. Uh, and if you feel like you're lacking for close friends, don't believe the lie that it's like, well, that's just not for you. You know, that's for some people, but that's not for you. No, no. Friendships happen in the context of mutual interest and time spent around each other. 
In other words, you have to initiate availability and connection to develop friends. In a similar way, mentors, for the most part, don't choose you. At least that's certainly been the experience I've seen. I remember even being a young pastor and thinking, you know, that somebody would kind of reach out to me and say, hey, can I mentor you? Can I help you? And that someone would see what I was doing, you know, and want to see the church do well, all the rest of it. You know what? It's not true. It's not true. I eventually realized that if I wanted any kind of mentorship, that it was going to happen only if I pursued it and I had to decide who I wanted to learn from, show up to the opportunities to receive from from them, show up to the conferences, read the books, listen to the teaching, and I pursued learning from those who were ahead of me, listen, without demanding personal time from them. Maybe what frustrates you is that you thought God would change your life with a prayer, but instead he's called you to a process. That's what happened to Naaman, isn't it? Naaman shows up, give me, give me that prayer. Come on, Elijah. Give me that prayer, that one you do, that one with the hand-waving prayer. Come on, Elijah. If you just wave it the right spot, pray, it'll all. And instead of getting a prayer, God gives him a word and says, here's your process. Here's your process. You may have hoped that a prayer would make temptation go away and give you victory over it, but God calls you to a process of avoiding it not yielding to it, managing your thoughts and your actions and creating distance from temptation. You may have thought that a prayer would deliver you from your addictions, but here you are in a process of healing and change and, and, and it's setting you free like, like an onion. It's coming off one layer at a time. Maybe you thought a prayer would turn your marriage around, but it's going to take effort, right attitude, a change in your behavior, not just in your spouse's. Somebody say amen. <laughs> it's going to be a process. It's going to be a process. You may have thought that a prayer would bring you a financial miracle, yet the word of God tells you to have discipline, stewardship, living within your means, tithing and trusting. It's a process. You may have thought it would be a prayer that would turn your child around, but you're in a process of relating and loving and reaching out and standing on the promises of God and praying day after day until you see breakthrough. Our preference for quick solutions and fast answers makes us susceptible to frustration with God. And just because it doesn't come fast doesn't mean there's no solution. Listen, Israel, go ahead. Israel entered the promised land one step at a time. They didn't all get on jumbo jets and fly in, did they? In fact, God even told them he would only give it to them a little bit at a time because that was kind of like all they could handle. In fact, I would encourage you to change your prayer life. Don't just be asking for miracles, but asking God to lead you in the process leads you in the process, the process of recovery, the process of healing, the process of reconciliation, the process of prosperity, the process of building your life with wisdom and clear direction. The scripture says this, wisdom builds 
the house, not just this house, the house of God, but your house. Wisdom builds your house and it'll give you God's process to get you to where you need to be. The word that God spoke to Naaman worked and that's really all that matters. Whether he liked it or not, whether he got it his way or not, none of that matters. The only thing that matters is this, God's word worked and his word was Here's your process. Listen and take action. The final exhortation is that we would listen and then take action with what's been said. And it comes with both a warning and a promise. The warning is that if, if we don't act on what was said, then we will forget it and we'll be deceived. You know how that works. Your, your wife texts you or phones you or whatever and says, don't forget to bring milk home after work. So here's what happens. If you do nothing in that moment, you will forget. <laughs> Why? Because you didn't act. Yeah. You heard, but you didn't act. Yeah. And then you'll forget. And then when you get home, she says, where's the milk? And you say, I forgot. How many of you know, I forgot doesn't excuse you. And all the men said, okay, we're getting a little honesty in the house this morning. But here's the deal. Forgetting is often the result of not having immediate action. And so if we act on God's word with immediacy, we don't fall into that forgetting habit and we move forward with what God has for us. But the second thing we're warned about is deception. Not acting on God's word can lead to Deception. Deception is the difference between knowing about something and actually practicing it in your life. And so, for instance, you can know about holiness, but it doesn't mean you practice it. You can know about self-control, but it doesn't mean that you practice it. You can know about generosity, but that doesn't mean that you practice it. You can know about Jesus, for that matter, but that doesn't mean that you follow him. You can just be a passive believer at best, but there's no action going on, and so you are deceived to call yourself a Christian just because you know about Jesus, but you don't follow Jesus. Just because you know about something you can think that you have it in your life because it's in your mind, but it's not in your actions, and it's called deception. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, says, We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. <coughs> Excuse me. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. If anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in him. This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Must live as Jesus did. Listening and doing is ultimately a relationship issue. The passage ends with this. Live as Jesus lived. Live as Jesus did. What did Jesus do? Jesus prayed. 
Jesus sought the Father. The Bible says that Jesus said this, I only do what I see the Father doing. In other words, he lived out of a posture of relationship to the heavenly Father and made his choices and his selections and his actions come from that place of connection to the heavenly Father. He lived a life focused around listening with the intention of following. That's what you and I are called to do. We're to listen, first of all, to the written or as the Greek says, the logos word of God. That is the written word of God, what God has already said, what you already find in scripture. That's our starting place of listening and doing. In other words, if it's already written in the Bible, you don't have to pray about whether you should do it. It's there, it's already there, we know that one. But then the next part of listening is listening to the now spoken word of God or what's called the rhema, that is what God is breathing right now, what the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart now, that's the other side of that listening. That's the other side of it where we're listening to what is the Holy Spirit speaking to my life? What's the Holy Spirit speaking through the word as I read it? What's the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart as I pray about things in my life? And then following that, listen, don't be like me as a kid. So focused on my little world with my little toys and whatever I was doing that I ignored what was being said to me. Don't have a Christian life that looks like that. So focused on our little world that we're missing what the Spirit of God would wanna be speaking to us. Instead, be like Jesus. Focus on seeking the Heavenly Father, seeking with a listening ear, and taking steps of faith with what she heard. The last part of the passage of James says this, that we're blessed, not just if we listen, not just if we know about these things, but we're blessed when we do them. We're blessed when we do them. Let's stand to take a moment in prayer together. Thank you, Father. Father, I, I pray for all of us that are here. Lord, I pray, help us be great listeners. Help us to listen with an intending heart to follow, an intending heart that says, I wanna obey, I wanna live out, I wanna be active about what I'm hearing God speaking to me. Thank you, Lord, for opening our ears. Thank you, Lord, for empowering us to lay aside the distractions of life so that we can receive from you, so that as we open our Bibles up by ourselves, the Word of God will be living and active and speaking to our hearts. Lord, as we come in a worship setting, that our mind isn't full of the busyness of life, but instead, Lord, our attention is on you. And Father, as we listen, we listen with the intention and a decision, a pre-decision that says, I'm gonna do what God says. I'm gonna follow Jesus, not just know about Jesus. With their heads bowed, I wanna pray one more prayer for you, and that is a, a prayer of salvation. Even as I talked about knowing about Jesus, but not following him, not having a life that is surrendered to him, that to call ourselves a Christian in that context is deception. The wonderful thing is you can walk away from deception. 
you can change that. You can break that off your life in a moment. And that's with a heartfelt decision that says, Jesus, I don't want to just know about you. I want to follow you. I want to know you. I want you in my life, and I want your plans in my life, and I want to follow them with all of my heart. And I just believe there are people in the room, probably people watching online as well, that that's the choice and decision that needs to happen today to set you free from the deception that says knowing about Jesus is Christianity when Christianity is following Jesus. With their heads bowed, I wanna ask how many here would say, Pastor, I'm making that decision to follow Jesus today. Can you just lift your hand, give me a wave. I'm making that decision to be a follower of Jesus today. I don't wanna just know about him. I wanna walk with him in my life in Jesus' name. That's awesome. We're gonna pray for those who have responded here. And for any online, you can join in with us. Let's all join in together. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross and paid for the sins of the world, including mine. I don't wanna just know about you. I wanna know you. And I wanna follow you. And so today, I confess you as the Lord of my life and I'll follow you with all of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.